the Practical Family Podcast with Jennifer Bryant, encouraging your family to build strong foundations and healthy homes. Hello, families, and welcome back to the Practical Family Podcast. I'm your host, Jen Bryant, and you're listening to episode 63. Our special guest today is Connie Albers, and she has written a fabulous book called Parenting Beyond the Rules, Raising Teens with Confidence and Joy. Yep, we're talking about teens today, raising them or getting ready to raise them. Presently, my kids are 9 and 10, and I need all the help I can get to get ready for those years. It was so great talking to Connie because this woman has over 30 years of parenting experience herself. She's got five kids of her own and 20 years working with teens. Connie has witnessed the negative impact of well-intentioned but misguided parenting styles, all focused on managing teens rather than guiding them. And if you've been paying attention to past podcast episodes here at Practical Family, we've been attitudes that come with mothering based on who we want our kids to be rather than who they naturally are. And this is yet another episode where we dive into that and Connie gives us a glimpse into how wonderful our teenagers are, as difficult as those years can be for them, hormonally, peer pressure, different challenges that they face. We can have an amazing time with our teens, Connie says, if we just focus in on guiding their hearts instead of their to-do list. Connie has also served on the board of the Florida Parent Educators Association and has helped to develop their communications department and have a hand in seeing legislation pass that helps parents to keep education in their hands and not the state's. Connie has been a strong advocate for homeschooling families, but more so for parents to be able to have the choice as to how they educate their children. So join me in welcoming Connie Albers to the Practical Family Podcast as we discuss parenting beyond the rules. Welcome, Connie, to the Practical Family Podcast. It's so great to have you today. I'm happy to be with you. I'm excited. Well, it's wonderful to get to know you a bit better in your book, Parenting Beyond the Rules, Raising Teens with Confidence and Joy. Tell me, Yay. how do you raise teens with confidence? <laughs> People, inquiring minds need to know. Right? That's why I, write, I wrote that book. I'm a mother of five kids. And we, we, you know, that's, it's been a fun journey. It's been a very, very much of a learning journey. And the fact that we are, you know, we used to work with kids for, or teens for about 20 years. So I kept listening to what they were saying, what they wish they could tell their parents about, what they, what, how their parents would react when they would say something. And if I would call them out on certain things and kind of go to bat for the parents a little bit. And it all just kept being tucked away in my heart. And as I, as my kids got older, I thought, you know, the lessons that have been learned the hard way, <laughs> you know, the, the mom fails because we didn't do it right. You know, we did snap at our child maybe a couple of times, but you know, the, the cover of the book with the paintbrushes really kind of says it all. It, there's five paintbrushes with different colors and different sizes. And what that symbolizes is that your child is a masterpiece in the making and they are not all the same shape, size. We can't do exactly the same thing with every child because they are unique. They require different, co- different colors, different me- measures of grace, different levels of forgiveness, uh, different 
uh, different listening styles and parenting styles. Our parenting styles even have to change. So when I write that in the book, I talk about what we can do that helps us keep the heart of our child. Once we keep the heart of our child, then we have influence. Once we have the influence, then we can start shaping and guiding them to where they're supposed to be as, you know, how God's made and formed and fashioned them. Mm, amen. Speaking to the heart of that child because they're unique. I love that. I've been particularly interested lately in the uh, different personality assessments, you know, helping mothers to get to know themselves, to, to come to a better sense of self-awareness, right? Yeah. And if we don't know ourselves, I'm finding is that we, we're going to have a hard time knowing and really seeing our kids because, like you said, our kids are unique and they have unique styles and how they learn and how they produce and, and all of that. So particularly for homeschool mamas, and because you're a mama of five, what was yeah. that like? trying to figure out where your kids were during those schooling years. Yeah, you know, I basically I created a form, and it was pretty simple. You know, any mom could do that. And I started paying attention. So I talked to parents about um, be observant, be a student of your child. And what that looks like means what is it they do that they could do for hours and hours and hours without you having to say, go do something? Is it, you know, some kids... They like to write, some like to read, some like to build things, some like to take things apart. Um, some like to just go visit with the neighbor kids all the time or the kids in, in you know, co-op or, you know, in church or wherever, you know, they happen to be. Wherever there are people, that's where you can find them. You know, they're, they're either making a new friend or they're helping someone out. And it just starts, bottom line, it starts with time. Making the time and allowing yourself as a mother the time to get to know that child. Um, and I love that you were talking about the assessments. I have always been, a, well, I've always been a big fan of assessments. I use them a lot in the marketplace, and they kind of give you a feel of, you know, your colleagues. We think about how do we get along with our coworkers, and how do we, you know, sell better products or whatever it is that we do. And I started thinking about um, applying those to my children. The same principles of. How do they think? They think differently. Each one thinks a little differently. And I would use the assessments like the, the five love language I recommend in the books, the five, the five love languages for teenagers. <clears throat> I also use different strengths, like I love Strengths Explore. Strengths Explore is relatively new and it's for ages 10 to 14. What I like about that is it takes a positive approach to helping a child sort start to see themselves in a positive light. And it helps mom and dad even start to see their child in a positive light. There's a topic I like to speak on called what's, you know, discover what's right with your middle schooler. And I know you used to be a middle school educator. And I love that topic because so often we can zero in on what's wrong with them. They're not answering me as quick as they want. They're not doing the, the, the work I've asked them to do as fast as I want. They're not treating their brothers and sisters the way I want. They're not doing their schoolwork the way I would want. Um, and all it is is this, we rack up this long list of what they're not doing just right when reality is they are just right and we need to discover what's right with them. And when we take that mindset and we shift their perspective and we start to say, what is right with you? You know that that child that maybe you think is a big manipulator because they know how they're constantly working you. Maybe we could view that in a positive light. They're persistent. Maybe they're resilient. Maybe they're going to be really good at using persuasion as a vocational 
tool in the marketplace. Now, I'm not talking about being a CD salesman. I'm talking about somebody who's really going to know how to persuade people to do or, or buy or do, uh, you know, have something. Is, does that make sense? Yes, yes. Uh, I actually see a lot of that in my son. Actually, okay. <laughs> he is not so only can... a little people person. He's nine. He's a yeah, person, yeah. and I can tell the way that he's thinking and the way that he can see the the gaps in a conversation so easily and use that information and don't twist it, but he'll use it to the advantage of asking something else or make and and I have to point that out to him even if it's something that he's saying that's making me look foolish or making me look contradictory to what oh but you said that you know kids will call yeah. you out on your stuff right. Uh, I try to say, son, I like how you figured that out. That was very, that was very good, very crafty. <laughs> and I can see where that's going to take him, but I can't, you know, I can't be, you know, offended when he calls me out every time. <laughs> oh, well, yes, and he may have the strength of an analytical person, you know, mm -hmm. and that left brain child who is math and science and fact based. I, I mean, we hate it when we're fact checked by our kids. I mean, yeah. it's not fun. <laughs> it isn't. However, if you have that type of a child, they're going to do it always. I mean, it's not something that you want to drive out of them. You, it's something you want them to learn how and when is appropriate to be a fact checker. Um, and they might use that in, uh, let's just say that would be a strength of discernment. If, if they're noticing somebody kind of skews the facts fairly often, their little radar is going to go off. Maybe that person isn't legit. Maybe that person isn't quite as, you know, they're exaggerative. Um, and exaggerative over embellishing, you know, playing something up isn't a negative unless it becomes a lie or, or over the top. But every, every weakness, you know, can have a strength. Um, if we cultivate that and help that child realize, which is exactly what you said, you're affirming what could possibly be a negative. You're, you're turning it into somewhat of a positive and you're and helping them to temper time and place, time and place and audience and most importantly, motive. What's the motive? You know, if you said, you know, I like what you just said about twisting it. You're not want, you're not want, you're choosing not to think he's twisting it to get his own way. He might be because he's young and immature, but you're already beginning the conversations of guiding them by not assuming the worst in that child, but saying, this could be bad if I left it the way that it is. He could grow up to be an older teenager and he's quite the manipulator. That isn't what we want, but we do want them to know God has given you this ability to turn a conversation in a certain direction. And I'll tell you right now, that's a phenomenal skill to have as long as it's done with the right motive, you know? Um, and I think, so paying attention is foremost, going back to your question, paying attention to what it is that they do, using different tools like the Strengths Explorer, the five love languages. When my children got to be much older, um, I would have them much older as in the, you know, getting ready to head off to college. I had them do um, the Myers-Briggs self-assessment and I had them do the Clifton Strengths, which is formerly known as Strengths Finders. It's changed its name. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the reason I don't do that when they're younger is the vocabulary can be a little stumping. And any assessment is a great tool, but it's not 
like the defining measurement because your child's going to change. The one thing we don't want to do is at a young age label them because depending on the day that they take the self, you know, self assessment, it, they may be having a, a moment of, if I say the truth that no, when somebody falls down, I don't go pick them up then that could be counter to what mom and dad have always been teaching to be kind and empathetic. And if somebody goes down over, you run over there and you pick them up because that's the right thing to do. Well, if their natural inclination is to say, why did, you know, if you would have watched where you were going instead of texting, you wouldn't have fallen, then they would be, it would cause a, a dilemma in the answering of the question. So I, I say, be aware of what they're doing. That's why I say, observe what, the, what it is they're doing. Write it down. If you see a propensity when, let's say one of the kids breaks something, there's a big mess on the floor. One child walks in and immediately says, oh my goodness, it's okay, don't worry, we can clean it up. That's a great skill to have. They have the gift of, you know, they have the, they're compassionate, they're full of empathy or mercy. Those are beautiful things. But then the next child walks in and says, oh, mom's gonna be mad at you. Um, and you're thinking, well, why don't you show the same empathy or compassion or mercy? That's not the same child. That child's going to be more likely to say, you know, if you were more careful, which is still a truthful statement, right? Or the next child walks in and the child's still crying and they leave the child crying on the floor because maybe they hurt their knee and they immediately run over to their pantry and they grab the broom and they start sweeping it all up because that's their temperament and that's their gifting. You note that stuff, write it down and later when nobody's, you know, when nobody's within earshot of each other, you know, you don't, don't do it in front of each other's siblings, but you just say to them, you know, I noticed this about you. I noticed that when somebody is down, you, you seem to want to encourage them or when something has made, someone's made a mess, instead of you lecturing them, you just start cleaning it all up. Or when somebody has made a mistake, you immediately start to teach them the error of their ways. <laughs> <laughs> instead of you know you're lecturing them but I have to tell you those assessments are awesome if they're used in the uh, in the context of helping you as a mom identify your child's strengths so that you can and help build on those strengths and so that you can identify maybe why this one child constantly gets on your nerves and um, maybe because they just don't do something the way you would do it you're able to then think of that child through a filter of understanding, which leads to what we're ultimately trying to do is understand how that child thinks and how they process. When we start to understand how they think and process, then we're able to guide them with the least amount of resistance. We interrupt this podcast to bring you a key commercial announcement. The Practical Family Etsy shop is now open. Yeah, we have new printables available just for you. If you're a homeschool family and use the Classical Conversations Foundation's guide, the new weekly sheets are here for cycle two. They are fill in the blank and are available for both print and cursive handwriting practice. As a Practical Family podcast listener, you get to use a special discount code. Just enter PFPODCAST19, all capital letters, and get 25% off your cart when you purchase our digital prints. Use the link in our show notes to get to our Etsy shop today. Thanks for listening. Now back to learning about teenagers with author and speaker, Connie Albers. 
guiding them with the least amount of resistance. There will still be resistance. Yeah, I mean, they're little humans. They're little humans with their own point of view. (laughs) Yes, yes. And they don't always, you know, agree with yours. And so that's why we do have to be the parent. Um, And there are times where they do have to do what we say because we said so. Um, They don't realize what danger is lurking around the corner or, you know, something that could befall them, you know, in a negative way. So we're not advocating, you know, this title of the book, Parenting Beyond the Rules, I I specifically titled that primarily because parents are really good at setting up rules, limits, and boundaries. They keep us safe. They keep our homes like running smoothly. Everybody has a job. Everybody does does their thing. But what do we do when the rules stop working Uh, or when the child starts pushing back on the rules? What do we do then? That's the question I like to address in the book. Yes. Let's address that now because I, um, I was particularly interested in learning how to authentically connect with, you know, my kids who will one day be teenagers right now, they're nine and 10. But as a mother of, of kids in the middle right there, I, t- I tend to, to fear what will change because their little bodies and hormones are going to come into play and everything, and they're going to push back. And I have to prepare myself. Okay. It's not all going to be about you. Don't be offended. Remember the awful things you said to your mom and <laughs> realized it later, you know. Um, Let's not bring that on us, right? Let's let's try to avoid some of that. So how how can we prepare for that, given, okay, we're learning about them, we're studying them, their personality is not an excuse to say that's how they are because we're still, you know, guiding them, whoever they will turn out to be. How can we practically prepare for those changes and those pushbacks? That is a great question. I do want to address something that you said. I write in the book about starving the fear. And um, we fear creeps in in a variety of ways. It can come by way of we're afraid we're going to ruin our child, which often happens. You know, we we correct them, or maybe we come down too hard on them, and we second guess. Oh, you know, I probably shouldn't have said it that way, or I should, probably should have been slower to speak. Um, so we can we can be afraid we're ruining our child either with, you know, overreacting or that we're just not. We're just doing this parenting thing wrong. Um, we could we could be fearful that the influences that are impacting our children could disrupt the hurt and harm the relationship between you and your child, meaning negative peer pressure or peer pressure that causes tension between mom and dad. Um, fear that creeps in, you've got to starve it, which is why one of the chapters in the book is about starving the fear. And we starve the fear and replace fear and doubt with truth. Truth about who you are and who God designed that child to be. Fear, truth of you are doing the best that you can and that you will adjust and pivot as your child grows and change. Like you talked about the things that are coming. I love to tell mom and dad, plant a seed of possibility. Give your child what might be coming ahead. Meaning <clears throat> the middle school years, you know, they start coming, like your children are going to be entering the hormonal phases where things start to develop or acne starts to creep up, or bullying takes on a different form. They start reaching out more. They start having more engagement with people maybe that you don't always would approve of when they're young. You can control playdates and who they get to be around most of the time. And, And they're very quick to tell you about it. Well, as they grow, they're less, they 
become less likely to say everything unless you have a chatty child, which was what I was. Squashing the fear and reminding yourself that God gave you that child to teach and train for his glory. Also remembering that God gave you, that you are an imperfect mother. So you have to give yourself some grace and you have to seek truth in knowing what to do and how to change. Also knowing that your child is in the process. So managing your expectations. Do you set the right expectations or realistic expectations for that specific child? Meaning I loved what you said when you, you, you don't excuse away bad behavior. Oh, well, that's just not my child. No, 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 no. We, we, rudeness, unkindness, not being respectful to mom and dad or others, um, not being respectful of the, of the family pet. I don't care what your personality is. I don't care what your temperament is. There are manners and there are common courtesies and there are, and there is treating people as valuable human beings that has nothing to do with how you're wired. It just has to do with treating people right, plain and simple. So no, we don't excuse away anything because of temperament. It does help us understand maybe how to cultivate them. Um, when we start to feel fear, we really need to grab that immediately. Because <clears throat> a lot of times that's just the conversation we're having between our ears. And we have to replace it with the truth. That That's part of the, the process of growing and adjusting and pivoting with your child as they grow and change because they're looking in the mirror, especially in middle school, they look in the mirror and they're thinking, Hmm, something's not there that should be there. And they wonder what's wrong with them. Or they look in the mirror and they think, you know, they see their face and their complexion. They're going, something's there that shouldn't be there. I didn't have this last week. You know, these blemishes that start creeping in because their bodies start to change. Brain processing starts to develop more. Brain circuitry starts to fire at a rapid rate. They'll develop mood swings or moodiness. They'll come up, you know, they'll come home from school or they'll come home from, you know, whatever activity, sports or dance or something. And they'll they'll be very quiet in the car. And you're like, well, this is not normally you. You normally hop in the car and tell me everything about your day and you're not telling me anything. Um, <clears throat> we have to kind of, uh, we have to carefully probe into what's going on. Maybe they, maybe somebody made fun of them. Maybe somebody said something. Maybe somebody is taunting them. Maybe they're just not feeling right and they don't really know why. You ask them what's wrong. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just upset about something. And you think this had a full out, you know, they go into full out meltdown mode and you can't quite figure it out. And part of that is you have to have grace with that child and help them to understand they will have days like that. So paint pictures of, you know, as you, as you start to grow and change, you, you might experience some unexplained emotions. You know, you might, you might be overly sensitive one day. One day you seem tough as nails and the next day you melt into a puddle. That's, that's kind of part of the process of growing up and it's okay. Let's talk about it. That is a lovely and gracious way of an example of how to speak that. I think what a lot of parents need is the actual script that they know and, and believe for themselves. Okay, emotions are normal. Women especially understand how girls can be. I, I think that it's too common though for grown up women to kind of look down on the middle school, high school years and go, oh, I never want to go back to that again. And now I have to raise a teenager and oh God, why are you doing this to me? You know, it's, it's not 
to be able to approach the teenage years with so much grace because we remember coming from that is I think the, the approach that I would love to think that I would take. So I'm, I'm so glad that you're <laughs> saying these things out loud <laughs> right now and give me, okay, I can say this to my daughter. I can say that these feelings are normal and it's okay. And to not want to jump on that and try to solve all her problems right away, I, I know will be my tendency. I know it because I, I do it now and I frustrate my kids sometimes because I'm like, okay, we got to figure this out. We got to, you know, it doesn't need to be this way and we don't have to be this upset. But I forget sometimes the space and time that I needed to figure things yeah. out. Did you find that with your kids too? I did. And I love what you just said, actually. It, you even talk about a self-discovery process within yourself. Mm -hmm. I would imagine when you were a middle schooler, a tween or teen, you, did, you couldn't really articulate, mom, I just need space. Yeah. I mean, that probably wasn't the words that came out of your mouth. It was probably, I don't want to talk about it. It was nothing. Nothing's wrong. I mean, those were those are our reactive. You know, when our wall is up, our defenses are high. Maybe we're we're not sure mom is safe to to share my thoughts with because maybe mom, if I tell her what this kid did to me or said to me, maybe my mom won't let me talk to that kid again, or maybe she's gonna pick up the phone and call and say, "Do you know what your your little child did to my sweet little innocent child?" We have to remember that there is this process that they have to learn. And it's so true what you said. They start off needing us completely for everything. And then they start to gain the two-year-old phase of me do, me do, all by myself. You know, I, I, and then they move to tying their shoe. I'll do it by myself. And we just watch them take 20 minutes <laughs> when it could take us you know, two minutes. And we have to watch them struggle through doing this. That is kind of the same picture as your child is enters and goes through adolescence. They want and they believe with all their heart they can handle this. They can do this. Mm -hmm. um, they don't want us to fix their problems. They don't want us to give us three quick solutions. They kind of need to muddle through it. But not every child. Not every child's like that. Some children want you to walk them through it because maybe they have a little bit more insecurity. Maybe they're a little more fearful. Um, they're afraid of failure because maybe they have perfectionistic tendencies. And if mom's doing it with me, I know I won't fail. But then you have that risk taker child is like, hey, I'll do it all by myself. I'll fall 10 times before I ask you for help. It doesn't mean they're rebellious and it doesn't mean that they don't want our help. It just means that they are going about growing up in a different way. So a mom and dad, they are very wise to kind of step back and look at what does that child need from me? Because they change and they grow from needing mommy all the time to needing mom. That's a very, very different place for you and me. I mean, we've been needed and we want to be needed and we love these little humans so, so much. Sometimes for some mothers, it's a struggle to let them do that because one time, it's easier for us to do it by our, you know, it's easier for us to help them because then we can get on to the next thing. Sometimes it's just an emotional thing. It's, it's a letting go maybe, and that can be hard. So it's not only just the child that's changing in the relationship, it's mom that's changing as well. So you have these two different people that have to kind of figure out what does this next dance move look like? I lead, you follow, or you lead, I follow. And when we stop viewing it as, I am going to completely be child-centered because I am not saying that. 
rules keep our kids safe and they need them. Boundaries keep our children from stumbling into things that and we really don't want them to stumble into or maybe they're not able to process. I'm just saying that the beyond part, what our interview right now is focused on is, and that is keeping a relationship as God leads us to help them paint a masterpiece because your child is a masterpiece in the making. God has the blueprints for that child. He has formed and fashioned them unique just to them. And we are painting the pictures of possibilities before them. So there's, there's specific things there. It's viewing your child as a masterpiece in the making, an unfinished masterpiece. And every interaction is adding a color or a brush stroke or something that's forming that child to becoming who they are. Then when you plant seeds of possibilities, it comes with the knowledge of, I have a glimpse of what you are going to become. And that could be, and, and or like in my case, my daughter's an artist. I just saw that in her early on and I kept planting seeds of, you know, I see you just, you're able to see beauty in a way that I frankly can't see because I'm off to the next thing, running the next thing, doing the next thing where you're taking it and you're soaking it all in. Or my left brain son, who's math and science, you know, you know what? I just see this propensity in you to be able to take complex issues and you're able to solve those problems and move on to the next thing. Do you know, you might want to consider this type of vocation or that type of vocation. Um, I hope that makes sense. I know it's kind of a long thing, but I, I thought I would give some illustrations as to how you practically work that out. Oh, absolutely. Yes. No, I, and I am all about seeing the potential too. And, in our children, and I think that that moms who tend to be like us too, that we're we're natural, you know, educators, we're we're natural problem solvers. We tend to want to help figure that out, but the tough parts are when there are the uncontrollable things like emotion and unexplainable, you know, maybe rage or <laughs> I can't even imagine what what to expect from my my sweet loving son who still loves to kiss me. I hear that he's gonna. Um, be kind of angry later because of all the hormones. <laughs> well, you know, it could go a lot of different ways depending yeah. on how, you know, how you guide him and lead him mm -hmm. and affirm him in the process. I mean, it's kind of like those ages where you put them to bed happy and they wake up angry and you're like, what? You know, you make them their favorite <laughs> breakfast. I made you, you know, I made you like one of my kids love French toast. I made you French toast this morning. I don't want French toast. What's your favorite? I don't like French toast anymore. And you're like, what? <laughs> What happened to you? And they're like, nothing happened to me. I just don't want French toast. And you're like, oh my goodness, uh, eat it anyway. <laughs> I won't make it again, I promise. <laughs> but, you know, kind of taking, not not being, not laughing at your child, but in your, inside you're kind of going, oh my word, I know it's got to be hard being you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't want to be like this. I mean, we have to remember when our children are having bad days, it's not that they just want to be bad or they want they they want to be in a bad mood. It, it isn't that way, and it's taking that mindset. It's it, a lot of it has to do with our mindset and not laughing at them, not talking at them, but talking with them and and to them in a conversation and and getting them to explain and articulate the why. You know why we. 
what what is it? You know, it could be a host of things. It could be a commercial that they saw, or they could see somebody have watched somebody make fun of something that they really like. And now all of a sudden they think, oh, it's not cool to do that. So I better not do that. Mm-hmm. And they're pivoting and adjusting. And, you know, I really think when a mom finishes, they should, they should get like an honorary psychology degree <laughs> 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 because there's so much that goes into understanding your child. And part of that understanding is understanding the world that they're growing up in. You know, you and I grew up in a very different time frame than what our kids are going through. And, you know, as your children get older, either technology's technology is neutral. Um, I, I think technology is wonderful. We wouldn't be able to have this amazing conversation without it, but the internet isn't safe and it's going to continue to become more unsafe. It, it once was the Wild West. As it starts to rein itself back in, we really don't know what that's going to look like. But we do know that it does influence the relationships that we have with our kids. So that goes to the whole part of building a relationship, kind of like all the way back to when we began our conversation about building a relationship. It takes time. It takes intentionality. It takes being... A, focusing on your student and being a, an observant a, a observer of your student. And it, it takes pivoting. I, I often tell parents part of what we happens in the middle and high school years is they change, we adjust. And some parents think, but you don't understand, Connie. I'd be like adjusting every other minute. No, I do get it. That's why I can confidently tell you adjusting to their change doesn't mean minimizing your authority as the parent. You're still the mom. You're still the authority. You're still the one that is responsible for their safety and security, for their emotional, healthy well-being. And part of that means you are the adult and you can make a decision. I'm going to adjust over this way. I'm going to approach this conversation this way. I'm going to let certain things slide and I'm going to turn around and I'm going to address them when they're in a better mindset, when that child has kind of worked through the hurt or hostility or frustration that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they don't like how you're parenting them at that moment. That's fine. It, 24 hours will probably change. But we, we do want to be able to understand their world and the pressures that's coming on them. And when we do that, they realize you're championing me. Yes, I'm your greatest cheerleader and I always will be. been listening to the practical family podcast episode 63 parenting beyond the rules with our guest connie albers once again connie is the author of the book called parenting beyond the rules raising teens with confidence and joy this book is out and ready to pick up click on the link in our show notes to order your copy today and visit connie at conniealbers.com and through any of her social media links listed there Thank you for listening to the Practical Family Podcast. We hope this show has been a blessing to you and your family. Check us out at practicalfamily.org and join the community so you're the first to know about any new podcast episodes, content, printables, anything new that's gone up in our Etsy shop, and where you can connect with other parents. This has been Jennifer Bryant, your host at practicalfamily.org and the Practical Family Podcast, where we are encouraging you to build strong foundations and healthy homes.
Don't forget to visit our Etsy shop and download the Cycle 2 Weekly Sheets if you homeschool with Classical Conversations. They are there for you to download all 24 weeks of print and cursive fill-in-the-blank information that follows the 5th edition Foundations Guide. Check that out today and keep in touch on Practical Family in our community group for more discounts offered just for podcast listeners.